It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic. Today is April 16th, 2019. My name is Philip Rossenreich. I'm the expert and site editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, I'm going to go over my three keys for the Magic to get a victory in Game 2 of their playoff series against the Toronto Raptors as the Magic gets set to take on the Raptors in Game 2 of the series. That was very repetitive, and I apologize. Uh, but Game 2 tonight at 8 o'clock uh, over on TNT as well as Fox Sports Florida. Get used to those long TNT commercial breaks. It's going to be a doozy of a game. The Atlanta Magic, of course, lead that series 1-0. And if you want to get the Raptors' perspective on things, I highly suggest you listen to Locked On Raptors. If, Sean Woodley's been on the show plenty of times, and, we def- and, and, and we've had some great conversations about the Magic and the Raptors and, and how they're related and interconnected, and yes, even about this playoff series. And he has the Raptors covered with the same level of detail and care that I have the Magic covered here on Locked On Magic. For a complete perspective on this series, check out Locked On Raptors. You can find that as well as the rest of the Locked On Podcast Network, including every single NBA team covered with the same level of detail you find here on Locked On Magic. Over on the Lockdown Podcast Network on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast and listening device, including the Himalaya app. On the Himalaya app, you can find your favorite podcast. Subscribe to them, get them downloaded right to your phone or device or whatever it is, and even find new podcasts. Create a podcast playlist. You can do it all on the Himalaya app. Check that app out. You can find it all the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Here in Orlando, Game 1 is still this big moment of, of celebration and joy. You know, you, you, I, I feel like you can really feel it in the city. That, that there is an excitement and an energy about the team that has not been felt since Dwight Howard was here for sure. And really, honestly, since the 2010 season. Uh, yes, those twenty that 2011 team made the playoffs, and yes, the 2012 team also made the playoffs, but that win... And honestly, this whole playoff run, it's not at that 2010 team level because to me, that 2010 team is is perhaps the best team in Magic history. But the excitement, the optimism, and the feeling about this this Magic franchise has really been at its highest level since then. Everyone has a pep in their step. Everyone is feeling good. And that's what comes when you're up 1-0 in a series. 
the Magic got a humongous win and everyone is feeling good and optimistic. And believe me, I'm getting this sense. Game three on Friday night is going to be one heck of a scene. Even if you can't get in the game, be downtown for it. Because I have a feeling it's it's going to be wild even downtown. I, I I don't know if the Magic will set up the... T- I don't know if Wall Street will set up the TV uh, for Game 3, but it would not surprise me. It would not surprise me if there are uh, plenty of Magic fans who could not get tickets to what is looking like a sold-out Game 3 to watch the game there. That's really the level of excitement. And, and of course, the Magic will also host an official watch party at Wall Street in downtown Orlando for Game 2. Doors open at... Or gates open at 7 o'clock. Um, if it's anything like it was for Game 1, it will be a wild and crazy scene. So definitely, if you have the chance, check that out. But that's not the concern for the Orlando Magic up in Toronto. Up in Toronto, the Magic are focused on themselves. The Magic are understanding that Game 1, while very good and, and, and they got the win, it's not indicative of what's going to happen next. That now the Raptors have tape. Now the Raptors have the experience going up against them. And now comes the chess match. Now comes the beginning of the playoff series. I've had a lot of conversations with, with Magic fans. And, and this is just my general belief. I think I said this on the pod yesterday. Game 2 is going to be very different from Game 1. I mean, look at the series that we've seen go to Game 2 today, on Monday. The Brooklyn Nets look like they could trounce the Sixers. And then they go, and then they play tight with them for a half. And then they lose by 30. The LA Clippers look like they're going to get run out of the gym by the Warriors. They go down by, what was it, 31 in the third quarter. They win the game and even their series. Game two is going to be very, very different. And and I, and I, I truly believe this. For the Magic and the Raptors, there were good things and bad things that are not typical of those two teams. Certainly not typical of when those two teams play against each other that cut both ways. And the you know law of averages, the returning to the mean, suggests that the good will return to its average, the bad will return to its average, and we'll see where things turn out. That was a very close game. Both teams made critical errors that they will shore up and fix. They exposed some weaknesses that other the other team will try to exploit. And so again, I will repeat this. Game one was fun. It was exciting. Throw it out. It's done. It's gone. It honestly will have no bearing on what happens in game two. That's not to say that you scrap everything or you ignore what happened in game one, but don't expect it to happen the same way. Expect things to be very different in very critical ways. I would honestly expect that the Raptors will try Danny Green on DJ Augustine from the start. Um, I think that is a, a very simple adjustment that I think would take the Magic a lot out of their offense. Uh, I th- and, and, and if that's the case, that means Evan Fournier might have to bring the ball up a little bit more. That might mean Evan Fournier has to take on a little bit more playmaking duties, which I think would scare some Magic fans. I don't think it's something that they would that the Magic would be too afraid of. 
On the same token, though, Nikola Vucevic is not going to shoot 3 for 14 again. He, his 11 points were the lowest he's had since, I think, December. It, it, things will be better. Things will change. And it's whether the things that change for the good become greater than the things that change for the bad at the end of the day. And and like I said, and, and I, I believe this about the Kyle Lowry thing, yeah, he went 0 for 7, and it's kind of funny, and, and Charles Barkley got a little, got a little uh, um, uh, animated about that. I do believe and agree with Steve Clifford that Lowry did a lot of good things. You don't get eight assists and seven rebounds and have no impact on the game. Yes, Lowry needs to hit his shots. And if Toronto wants to win this series or win at any level in the playoffs, they will need Kyle Lowry to hit shots. But it's not like he was a negative out there. He deserved to be on the floor at the end of that game. And I think he kind of, I mean, you know, to his credit, he only took seven shots. He knew he didn't have it and he looked to get others involved and he did get others involved. And so that's something that's going to change. Kyle Lowry will hit shots. He's capable of having a big game. And the Magic can't count on that to happen again. Like I said, game two is going to be very different from game one. So what do we expect to happen? What needs to happen for the Magic to get a win? And I do have three things that I want to touch on here in just a moment. Hey guys, it's Walker Mail, host of the Locked On Hornets podcast, and being around sports media and a fan of the Hornets for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip actually have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcast. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Obviously, the first thing for the Orlando Magic, and I think something that that is some that that is something that has to happen, um, is the Magic have to get Nikola Vucevic more involved. Nikola Vucevic's final line uh, in Saturday's game: three for fourteen shooting, one for three from beyond the arc, a very big three, might I add. Eleven points, eight rebounds, three assists. He did some very good things, and and I will say this: similar to the Lowry issue. Late in the game, the Magic tried to post up Vucevic. He got the defense to suck into him. He got the defense's attention. So even though he didn't score, he made some nice plays. And you look back at the at that Jonathan Isaac three, or the Aaron Gordon three late in the game. It came on a post up to Vucevic with Aaron Gordon's man, I believe it was Danny Green, peeking into the lane too hard and Vucevic whipping a cross-court pass to the corner for Gordon to hit that three, or to, for Isaac to hit that three. Think Vucevic also had a pass where he whipped it across to Aaron Gordon on the wing, who passed it to Isaac, and he got the hockey assist. So Vucevic still had a lot of value, even though he wasn't scoring. But to be sure, the Magic need to get Vucevic scoring, and Steve Clifford acknowledged that. He said earlier in the week that, that he has to do a better job getting Vucevic touches. He has to do a better job perhaps getting him on the move, setting up and pick and rolls, 
um, you know, getting him deep paint touches. And that's really the focus that I have for this team. I think in Game 2, Orlando needs to get Vucevic deep paint touches, deeper paint touches. And I'm a big fan. I hate standstill post-ups. I hate it when the guy stands there, has the guy in his back, and, and just calls for the ball. I think that's just bad offense. I like getting my my big men to come across cross screens, uh, to come come across the lane, catching the ball a little bit on the move before the defense can get set so they can pin him deep in the lane. So when they if they do get pushed out, they're not pushed out all the way out to the free throw line extended, so to speak. But Orlando had another issue in that game. They didn't score a lot of points in the paint. Orlando had only 36 points in the paint. Toronto only had 40. So Orlando's defense was, was very, very good. And I would agree with this as well. Orlando's defense was very, very good in game one. So a lot of this is going to focus on the offense because the offense wasn't very, very good. But Orlando has to do a better job getting paint touches. 36 points in the paint is not going to get the job done. You look at paint touches. You know, these are these are big things. Paint touches for the Magic. I'm going to pull these stats up because they're they're all available uh, via second second spectrum on uh, NBA.com. Orlando had 20 paint touches in the game. 20 out of 355. They shot just five for 15 off those paint touches. Probably not going to get the job done. Toronto had only 14. So Orlando did a good job keeping the ball out of the, ta- out of the paint. For the season, Orlando had 24.8 paint touches per game. 24.8 paint touches per game. So 24.8 with a 62.5% field goal percentage to 20 with a 33.3% field goal percentage. Again, the number of paint touches as, as, as Second Spectrum measures it were down. The overall field goal percentage was down. And a lot of that has to do with Vucevic, to be perfectly honest. Now, the way Second Spectrum measures paint touches, I imagine, is not the same way Steve Clifford and his coaching staff measures paint touches. So I want to make that clear. Um, and, it, and honestly, it's not particularly clear how it's defined, but I, I do think it is instructive to say, oh, okay, Here's this common metric that, that, that the league is using uh, to define something. And I do think it is instructive. The Magic were clearly below average offensively in this game. They were able to hit threes, which is great. Orlando shot um, a really high percentage from beyond the arc, 14 for 29. He had 14 of 29 three-pointers are going to be okay. But really the biggest issue, the biggest long-term issue the Magic have offensively from this game was their inability to get into the paint. And I think that all boils down to setting Nikola Vucevic up better on the block. Marc Gasol is a tough man to move. He is a tough guy to get around. And it just seemed like when Vucevic did catch the ball on the move like I like, he rushed things. Didn't want, didn't want Gasol to get set. Didn't want Gasol um, to, to block a shot or impede him. And really, Vucevic went to some of his pet moves and Gasol met him and kept him from getting to his spot. So it's going to take a little bit of fight. It's going to take a little bit of tactical tweaking to get Vucevic the looks that he needs. And I think the Magic need to do that. They need to set harder screens. And I think this goes for Terrence Ross, who also had a poor shooting game. The Magic need stronger screening. They need more precise cutting off those screens. 
This is what the playoffs are all about. I mean, it's will versus will, and you got to win that tug of war. And if the Magic want to win this game, they need more paint touches than the Raptors. They need more points in the paint than the Raptors, and they need Nikola Vucevic to get deep paint position. That is absolutely vital for the Magic in this game. But there's plenty more that they'll need to work on if they want to come out on top. And I think a big thing coming out of this game was the three-point shooting. The Toronto Raptors did not shoot the ball well from beyond the arc. The Raptors ended up just 12 for 36 from beyond the arc, 33.3%. Danny Green and Kawhi Leonard each had three. Fred Van Vliet had three, most of those in the first half. So that's nine of the 12 right there. Pascal Siaka missed all four. Kyle Lowry, of course, missed all six. It's a very different game if the Raptors make threes at the rate they know they're capable of making them. As Steve Clifford has pointed out ad nauseum throughout the, at least in the run-up to the playoffs, the Raptors are one of the best three-point shooting teams in the league. For the season, they were six shooting 36.6% from, from beyond the arc. Since the All-Star break, so essentially the trade deadline, they were first at 41.5%. This is a very good three-point shooting team that had a bad shooting night. And honestly, I would count several open three-pointers that the Raptors simply missed, including one late in the game when it was tied. Marcus Gasol had a three in the corner in front of the Magic's bench that he just missed. Plain and simple. He just missed. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And so, the Magic have to do better guarding the three-point line. Taking a look at the statistics from this game. The Raptors shot 2 for 11 on three-pointers considered open by NBA.com's metrics. So the closest defender was four to six feet away from them. Two, four, 11. On three-pointers that were six or more feet, they were nine for 18. So you leave them wide open, they were going to make it. And they did, in fact, make it. But even those open shots, four to, closest defenders four to six feet away, that changed the game. And so... I think it's fair to expect Toronto to make more of those shots. Again, that, 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 those 11 account for almost all of the Raptors' three-pointers. That 18 plus 9, 27. You know, 27 of their 36 three-pointers were open three-pointers. So, Orlando, I think, in this game, has to do a better job defending the three-point line. And in fairness... I think Orlando did a good job scrambling for the most part. I thought that, especially when their defense was really dialed in, and there was a stretch in the second quarter, stretch in the third quarter where it wasn't. But when their defense was really dialed in, they were making second efforts to prevent dribble penetration. They were getting out to the three-point line and contesting three-point shots. They were doing all the things that they need to do. 
but there were enough lapses that make you worry. That last play with Marcus Gasol when he missed that open three, Nikola Vucevic sunk into the paint to help too much, left Gasol open, and the rotation wasn't crisp enough to defend it. Takes a lot of communication with the way the Magic try to pack the paint, and especially with the way Gasol can stretch Vucevic out of the paint with this three-point shooting. Takes a lot of communication to make sure guys are covering those shooters. And to be sure, Kyle Lowry is not going to miss six three-pointers again. Especially the good looks that he was getting. And he got lots of good looks in this game. I think that Orlando's got to really focus on defending that three-point line in this one. I think that they really have to make sure that they are on the ball with their three-point defense. Because that can change the game completely. That can really change the game completely. Um, It would certainly swing game one in the opposite direction. If the Raptors even shot their normal percentage. Obviously, it's a three-point game. That makes sense. So Orlando's got to make sure they're able to pack the paint. They're able to defend their own man. But then they're able to contest three-point shooters. If they make contested threes, so be it. But largely in game four, or game one, the Raptors were make were taking open three-pointers, and the Magic were somewhat powerless to stop them. The final key to this game, the final thing that I want to point out is uh, the Magic have to do a better job getting motion within their offense. This is a motion-based offense. This is an offense that require that that you know because the Magic don't have great one-on-one players. Demands pick and roll actions, demands motion kind of off the ball to preoccupy guys in rotations, and demands ball movement. Demands that the ball keep zipping around. And Orlando struggled with that in this game. And I think a lot of credit should go to Toronto uh, with Danny Green guarding DJ Augustine, really slowed the game down, really slowed um, Augustine's ability to get into the offense. So I, I think the biggest thing that happened, not necessarily that Danny Green stopped DJ Augustine, because Augustine still got going at the end, but. Um, it was more that Augustine needed six, seven seconds to get across midcourt. And so Orlando is initiating their offense at 16 and 15 seconds rather than at 19, 18, 17 seconds. That second doesn't sound like a huge difference, but it is a huge difference, especially for a team that doesn't have a bailout guy that you can hand the ball to with six seconds left on the clock, and he will get you a good shot every time. The Magic have to get into their offense quicker. They have to... Uh, they have to get more more motion and movement to keep the defense honest, and they have to pass the ball. The Magic had 19 assists in their game against the Raptors on Saturday. That marked the first time the Magic have had fewer than 20 assists in a game since January 9th, game 41 at Utah. The Magic have been a strong, strong passing team since. And it's the basis of their whole offense. It's the reason why their offense has come alive. They don't have the ability to break guys down one-on-one. And that was when the offense really got bogged down. Is when Aaron Gordon tried to post up too much. Or they tried to force feed Vucevic on the block. And I'm not saying they shouldn't do that on occasion. But you got to keep things moving. you got to keep the ball moving. And if the Magic can create some motion and create some of those opportunities, the Magic should be able to get a little bit of offensive rhythm going and a little bit of offensive uh, of their offense moving and, and going in the right direction. The bottom line with this game is Toronto is going to come out ready to play. All the players, both DJ August and Evan Fournier, pretty much everyone is saying, 
we know the Raptors are going to give their best shot in this game. They cannot go down 2-0 at home, heading on the road for Game 3. They know this. If they do, they are in trouble. And Orlando has served notice that they're going to compete in this series. The Magic know that the Raptors have the best player in the series in Kawhi Leonard, and despite Aaron Gordon's best defensive efforts, and I think he did play good defense for the most part, Kawhi Leonard still torched them. Pascal Siakam torched them, even with Jonathan Isaac's good defense. And, and perhaps if they both play better defense on him this time or play that same defense on them this time, they'll shoot less. They'll shoot a little worse. But Orlando knows and Orlando understands that they've still got work to do. Very clearly, there are a lot of things that they need to do that are very central to what they do. And for those that you know are still a little upset that people think the Raptors are going to win, and very well the Raptors may very well win this series, it's because Orlando struggled with some very central things to their identity. But that cuts both ways. The Magic's defense scrambled, got stops, forced some turnovers, did what they had to do to give themselves a chance to win the game. And that's really all this Magic team has done since January. They always give themselves a chance to win. That's all you can ask for on the road. That's all you can ask for in these games. But now they have to find a way to do this at a high level. Perhaps what we saw in game one with some of these issues was an outlier. Perhaps it's a sign of what this series is going to be. It still feels like Orlando has to do a lot of things right and Toronto can play a maybe a B game like they did on Saturday and still have a chance to win. Orlando certainly got to play A-plus defense. So the margin for error, like it has all year, remains very small. But if the Magic are able to establish a better paint presence and get in the paint more, if they're able to defend the three-point line with a, a little bit more consistency, and if they can keep the ball moving, especially inside-outside, those, those ball movement and paint touches go hand-in-hand. Hand. If they're able to do all that, there is no reason to think that they can't come home up 2-0 in this series. The Magic are very much in this series. Control, maybe that's a bit too far. they still got a lot of work to do. But the Magic certainly deserve some benefit of the doubt and deserve the thought that they're in this series, that they can do things that can give Toronto a lot of problems, which I think we all knew they could. And Game 2 is just as big for the Magic as it is for the Raptors because the Magic don't have a margin for error. You win on Tuesday? I'm not saying you should lose game. You can you can afford to lose game three. I don't think so. I think game three is the most important game of the series for this Magic franchise, both on and off the court. But if you win this game, that margin for error is a little bit less. Maybe that takes away some of the Magic's edge. Maybe it doesn't. But this is a big game for both teams. It's a big game in the series, as, as every game is. I'm probably going to overuse that term. Tip-off at Scotiabank Arena is at 8 o'clock. It'll be on TNT as well as Fox Sports Florida here in Florida. And of course, we'll have a complete recap of that game coming up on tomorrow's episode of Locked on Magic. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and all the fun places to download podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device, including the Himalaya app. 
Get podcasts delivered straight to your device through the Himalaya app. Subscribe to your favorite podcast, create playlists, and get new podcast recommendations. All the Lockdown Podcast Network is on the Himalaya app. Check it out today. You can follow me on Twitter at R underscore OMD. And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, including my Orlando Magic Daily mailbag, check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can follow us, of course, on Twitter at omagicdaily. That's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.